You are listening to The 1% Christian, the daily Bible study where we get together for 1% of our day, study God's Word, and then we head out to the remaining 99% to do something amazing with this life that God's given us. I'm Pastor J.D. Ambrosio with Sound of Heaven Church in Deer Park, New York. I invite you to check us out at soh.church. And while you're there, download our mobile app. It's a great resource in your pocket. We've got a digital Bible. We've got all of our teachings on there. We've got a great online community that you can converse with every day. And if you're listening anywhere where you get your podcasts, like, share, subscribe, turn on your notifications don't want you to miss anything. And if you're listening on our live stream, share the live stream too. All of that is very helpful. As we get into this new year, we absolutely want to continue to build on what we are doing here. Right now we're studying Matthew chapter 21, uh, but we're going to keep going and go through the Gospels and the New Testament. and We'll see where we go from here. But we are in the last and final week of Jesus's ministry, right? This spans across uh, multiple chapters, uh, but what we're reading really is this final week leading up to the arrest and crucifixion, uh, and ultimately, of course, his uh, resurrection. And that resurrection is what really we hang our hat on completely. Without the resurrection, you have no Christianity. Without the resurrection, you have no uh, opportunity for eternal life because ultimately his resurrection is the epitome of where we know that death has been destroyed. Amen. Amen to that. So we've been studying this final week, starting off with Jesus's triumphal entry into Jerusalem, and we touched on several points One, that he came in not with war horses and swords. He entered the city with on a donkey with his followers, a bunch of fishermen, tax collectors, and people that he blessed along the way that followed him in. And yesterday we touched on the crowd, right, how there was um, the multitudes calling out to him. They were acknowledging him as king, not only as a king, but a victorious king. And they were acknowledging him as both Messiah and Savior, and this is one of the first places where we see the multitudes actually, you know, they've always pushed for it. They've always wanted to know if Jesus was the Messiah. They've always su- suspected it based upon his earthly life, but now they seem to really embrace it. The challenge was Jesus was a different type of king, a different type of savior, and a different type of Messiah than they expected. They wanted, you know, uh, the separation and destruction of Rome, Uh, and Jesus didn't come to help them take the land. Jesus came to take their hearts, and Jesus came to to bless them eternally, not just with, you know, earthly rule and reign. And that's kind of where we get in trouble as humanity, is we trust what we see, what we feel, right, other than... uh, what is beyond even this life. We put a lot of stock in the temporary things of this world, and that ultimately leads to loss and disappointment. But nonetheless, Jesus enters into the city. He is celebrated in the, in the manner of a king, uh, and then he gets right to work. He goes to the temple in a story that we uh, talk about quite often, and he goes to the temple where they are selling doves and and selling sacrifices. 
And that's where we pick up. If, if you remember, we studied this back in John chapter 2, right, where Jesus comes into the temple, sees all the money changers, and sees all the folks that are, uh, that are you know, doing transactions there. And he responds in a way that doesn't make them happy at all. Uh, and now we see it at the end of Jesus's ministry. So we have to ask ourselves, is it a contradiction? Uh, are there, uh, how could one gospel say it was in the beginning and then another gospel say that it's in the at the end of the ministry? I'll give you my take on it. I believe Jesus did this multiple times. We see some differences between the two, which we, for time's sake, we won't necessarily get into today, but we see some differences. But nonetheless, the purpose was the same. The merchants outside, it was the merchants and the priest working together in the outer part of the temple that were selling these sacrifices. So these people would travel all this way and they would be, uh, they would get to the outside of the temple and there would be chaos. Imagine auctioneers everywhere selling things and, and selling doves and it's all the studying and research that I find is that the dove for sacrifice there would cost 20 times more than if you bought a dove somewhere else. So there was a transactional price gouging, price gouging type of scenario that was going on inside the temple. And it's here where we can really begin to look at the difference between, you know, true worship and true relationship. And that's kind of what we're going to study today, true worship of God and a transactional relationship with God. So often we want a transactional relationship with God where it's, hey, you know, uh, if I do this, God, then you do this, right? Or And that really was the temple mindset. Well, Jesus came to shatter that. Dare I say, flip the tables on that, and let's get go ahead and start reading here. We're in Matthew chapter 21, verse 12 through 17. Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were there buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. They would not only sell uh, doves, but they would, they would exchange currencies there. Verse 3, it is written... He said to them, and this is Isaiah out of Isaiah 56, he's quoting. He said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. And the prophet Isaiah had released that the temple, God's house, which has changed as to what that is. We can get into that in a second, that the that God's house would be a house of prayer, not just a house of prayer, but a house of prayer for all generations. And if you know anything about the the temple itself, the area where this was all set up was outside in what they would call the Gentile court. So this is probably what caused this passion as well to rise up to Jesus. We know that, that one of the mysteries of the new covenant that was being revealed that we know full well now was that the covenant between God and man was not just with a bloodline, not just the lineage. It was with all people. So imagine this type of commercialization and, and, and this type of materialism and this type of really false worship, or we should say at least transactional worship that Jesus was trying to get rid of, was in plain sight for all to see. 
the Gentiles could not get inside the temple. It was forbidden. So the only place that they could go to, quote, get close to God was this place, and it was an absolute circus. So what did the outside world think of Yahweh when they looked at this? It was totally contrary to the message that Jesus was trying to portray. So what does he do? He drives everybody out. He flips the tables over. And then he gets to kingdom work. Let's continue reading. We are now verse 14. The blind and the lame came to the temple, came to him at the temple, and he healed them. So now Jesus gets to the real work of the Father, and that is the deliverance of his children, right? Flips over the money, gets rid of the doves, gets rid of the dove merchants, and gets to work. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did, and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David. They were indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying, they asked him? Yes, Jesus replied. Have you never read? From the lips of children and infants, you, Lord, have called forth your praise. And he left them and went out to Bethany, where he spent the night. So Jesus now healing the sick. The lame will walk again. The blind will see. All of these works that he was doing. And the only thing that the Pharisees see is, one, he flipped over the tables, right? He disrupted their transactional relationship, he, their profitability. But what else do they see? They see that... that they totally ignore the healing of the people, the deliverance of the people, and they scoff at the children who cry out, Hosanna, right? Save us. That's what that means. Save us, son of David. Save us, Messiah, because the Messiah had to come through the line of David. And this angers them. And it wasn't uncommon for children to be in the temple at that time, actually, uh, and it, they would work there. And not only would they work there, but it was almost expected that as the rabbis came through, they, they, would, they would give them accolades. It was forced. But here we get the sense that the anger was that these children were seeing that what Jesus was doing, and they were crying out to him, not out of obligation, but from their heart. Remember, he was not a regular there. I mean, he may have attended there. They, they may have known who he was, but he wasn't one of the, quote, chief priests of the time. And they are crying out to him. I can guarantee you this. When the chief priests walked through, they weren't crying out, save us. They weren't crying out, son of David. They weren't acknowledging them as the Messiah. So here we have Jesus, a carpenter, who has been walking around 
spreading kingdom knowledge, silencing the scribes, doing all of these miracles, exhibiting kingdom power all over the place, now standing in the outer courts and receiving higher praise than the chief priests could ever receive. And this angered them greatly. But what I want to, with the last few minutes that we have here, really focus in on is out of the mouth of babes. That's what Jesus quotes, right? Let's go back and read that again. He comes in and he quotes, he says, haven't you ever heard, haven't you ever read from the lips of children and infants, you, Lord, have called forth your praise. And he left them and he went out to the city of Bethany. So he, he says that and he acknowledges the children. Remember, the everybody wanted either Jesus for themselves, the disciples, they would shoo away children. And what did Jesus say? When they asked, who is the greatest in the kingdom? He says, you got to be like children, right? Because children come from a pure heart. And that's really what we see here, what really angered them. Even more than flipping the tables, even more than losing a couple bucks, it was that these children cried out. And I think what it really put a light on is that a true relationship with God can't be bought with material things. And so often we want to, you know, look as if we, we have what it takes to have favor with God. But the fact of the matter is that the price of admission for a relationship with the Father, it's not even what you put in the basket. It's not what you have. It's not how talented you are. It's a cry from the heart. Heaven can't be bought. And these kids, they didn't have the means, any means whatsoever, to purchase doves at a 20 times markup. They didn't have anything. All they had was the cries from the heart. And what did Jesus tell the Samaritan woman? This is that worship wouldn't be in temples. It'd be what? In spirit and in truth. And we see the symbolism here that when we remove the transactional relationship between us and God, all that's left is our heart and his. All that's left is our heart and his. And that is good enough for him. So stop trying to think that you've got to perform your way into the inner courts with God. That you have to somehow buy your buy his love, right? That is one of the lowest forms of love when somebody has to buy your love. Either through favor or through money or whatever. Think about that in a relationship. Yeah, I'll hang out with you as long as you buy me lunch. I'll hang out with you as long as you pay me. I'll spend time with you as long as you make me happy. It's not the way it is. God deeply desires to have a stronger relationship with you. The only requirement for that to be the case is a deep desire to call out to him in the same regard. And he'll meet you exactly where you are. 
So my prayer for you today is that we can flip some tables in your heart. If there's areas where you feel like you are underperforming and God is somehow disappointed in you and, and, and when you hit a certain threshold where you can perform a certain way, then you'll really have a relationship with him. You're getting it all wrong. No offense. Well, maybe some offense. Really what it is? It's a cry from your heart. It's to be like a child. The kingdom, right? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs will be the kingdom of God. You can't buy it. Just got to cry it out. Say, Jesus, I want a relationship with you. Acknowledge him for who he is. These little kids that were there witnessing everything that went on cried out, Hosanna, save us. Only you can, son of David. So stop trying to buy your way into God's grace. No performance necessary. No flashy exterior, right? God doesn't look at the exterior like men does. Men men do. God looks at the heart. So just know as you go into today that you have enough. You are enough. And chances are Up until this point, he desires you maybe even more than you've desired him. Well, may change that today. Match God for who he is. It's not a transactional thing. It's just saying, hey, I acknowledge you, Jesus, for who you are in my life. Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus, for everybody within the sound of my voice that feels like they're not good enough, feels like they have to buy your love, Father, heal their hearts of that very thing. Let them know that they can't purchase your love. It's already there. It's already bought. It's already paid for. All they need to do is receive it. And just say that today. Say, Jesus, I receive your love today. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. I'm Pastor J.D. Ambrosio, Sound of Heaven Church in Deer Park, New York. Remember to check us out at soh.church. Come and visit us this Sunday. It's going to be an exciting Sunday. We're going to have uh, baptisms. It's going to be awesome, awesome, awesome. And with that, you are listening to The 1% Christian. 100 starts with 1. Now that we've got this done, go out and do something amazing for Christ's sake. I love you guys. I will see you tomorrow as we continue with Matthew chapter 21.